Hello, everyone, and welcome to the JMA Live Deluxe Podcast. I'm your host, JMA and y'all. And apparently, Fungus is not going to be on like the podcast yet because she's basically asleep. But we got a little bit of a guest to like make up for like the absence. So we got Keith Hutchings, um, the the person behind the uh, affordable home project, I think, or like. I don't really exactly remember the old name of that organization, apparently, because I did my research, but I got like like a little bit of like um, memory uh, lagoons here. But yeah, here's Keith. Uh, can you like introduce yourself for a bit to see what you're up to or whatever? So yeah, Affordable Home Project sounds like a good organization, but what uh, I am the founder of an organization called the Comfortable Home Project. Ah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yes, and we are in Perth, Australia. Um, And what I'm working on doing is promoting energy efficient housing to help people know that they have a choice to live in a home if they're building a house that has essentially minimal or no energy expenses over the life of the home. Yeah, so you mean like solar energy and all that stuff? So there's two different things. So solar, when you talk about solar energy, that's you put the panels on the roof of your house um, and they create electricity and then you use something like an air conditioner to cool or heat the house to make it comfortable and what we're talking about is a process that's called passive solar design which is where you design the house in a way that in the winter you bring the sun into the house and warm the house up with the sun heating the mass of the house and in the summer you try and keep the sun out of the house and then you also design the house to catch the prevailing breeze that comes mm-hmm. through yeah. and flush the day's heat out. So the house by design, because technology will always eventually fail. I think the lifespan of a solar panel is somewhere between 12 and 25 years. But there are houses in Turkey that are 5,000 years old, and they still function as passive solar houses. They are still comfortable to be in most days of the year with no energy at all, just by the design of the home. Yeah, so, you know, you mean, like, basically giving, like, affordable uh, energy to, like, people in poverty or something, right? Like, actually sort of working out uh, ways to, like, give... um, comfort like sort of and like affordable energy to like people that can afford like a decent house or whatever well the thing is right now most of the people who are building these kind of houses that's really the mission of the comfortable home project is to get ordinary people you know what's been happening up until now is that it's people who are paying for architect designed houses that are getting a passive solar house. They're getting an energy efficient house. And if they can afford an architect, they can afford a they can afford their energy bills. And then they end up living in a house with no energy bills. And what a big part of what we're doing is just trying to let ordinary people know, you know, the just you you know like you mean middle class people, right? Or middle class people that that they could live in a house that saves them here in Australia, the average energy bill, it, the average family spends between $1,500 and $2,000 a year on energy. Mm-hmm. And roughly half of that is going to be their air conditioner. If they have an air conditioner in their house. And we have a situation here in Australia where a lot of people have houses have been built with no air conditioning we've just had a heat wave and a bunch of people died usually it's the elderly yeah and often because they're on fixed incomes if they do have an air conditioner they're reluctant to use it because they can't afford the cost of it so there is you know what part of what we're trying to do is get the attention of governments and say if you are building affordable housing 
it needs or you know social housing it needs to be designed in a way that the people living in the house don't have any energy expenses and that's you know it's that's possible to do so it is in, really important that we get this message to the people who are making these kind of decisions because right now what they're building is well it's mostly crap yeah, yeah, it's mostly proper in the regards that people cannot afford the energy to, like, sort of uh, have, like, uh, air conditioning enough to survive the heat, isn't it? Exactly. Or, you know, you being in Europe, dealing with the cold. And, um, you know, a properly designed house will just be... So we, back in June, I went to a house and to do one of the interviews which is up on my website and uh, it was just freezing outside i mean freezing what we get for here which is you know i think it was about six degrees celsius outside yeah it well depends if you're like an australian who constantly lives under the heat of australia you're not well used to like the like the cold of europe because usually europe at least in the north of europe is like really extremely cold and cloudy and everything or whatever i live in like a northern part of spain right and like it's mostly uh rainy and slightly cold in here Maybe someone who lives in Australia isn't well used to, like, the usual cold that we live in here in San Sebastian, right? But, like, yeah, you know, it depends on the situation mostly because um, it's about, I think it's about, like, people being able, able to afford uh, the energy cost to, like, sort of have either air conditioning or, like, uh, heat in their house. And, like, especially considering the whole housing crisis that we got in here, especially, like, House prices is like constantly go up, but like the salaries of people constantly go down or like get stagnant at some point, which it's that they stay it's the their, same. Yeah, they stay basically the same, and but the house prices keep going up, and that's at most most of the Western uh, world in America, in Europe, or say in Australia even, which yeah, you know, it's pretty bad. To say the least, it's pretty fucking bad. And, like, um, honestly, it's, it's a horrible reality we have to live in. Honestly, myself, I basically tried to earn a living aside of my shitty office job to, like, be able to sort of afford a house and, like, to be able to get out of my parents' house or whatever. And Jesus fucking Christ, I seen prices, like, of houses up go to like um sort of eighty thousand at least to live in, live in a modest apartment here nearby, and it's I don't know it's crap it's pure crap honestly like you know I don't know how like it, like especially considering Spain there's like immense housing prices compared to like the rest of Europe. And it's the reality of Spain compared to, like, um, the rest of Europe. It's pretty bad in terms of, like, the housing crisis in here. Because I remember uh, the days of, like, the the constant building and building and building of houses in, in Spain from literally anywhere. And there's a lot of speculation in the housing market as well. So, like, even more than anywhere else in the world, apparently, I, in Spain at least, so it's no doubt that um that like a lot of the shit is coming from a lot of speculation from like the housing market where it's pretty shitty business at, at least what do you think about it well the thing for me well, well we've those kind of things can only be fixed across the government and what we've and but I don't have the patience for dealing with governments. I tend to be, yeah. I think if I tried to do things like building code change, yeah, there's a lot of shadiness. So what we focused on is consumer-led demand. That what we want is for people to know that they have choices in how that how they live, the way they live, so that because most people think, oh yeah. You know, my only choice is, is apartment or house. It's yeah. the, you know, it's very simple. And we just have to accept what's on offer. And I want to get to a point where people are saying, yeah, no, we're, we're not going to stand for this shit anymore. We will not buy 
you know, your crappy, expensive, badly built houses. Be, and that is, that's the only way. But right now, people don't actually know that they have a choice, that things could be different from the way they are right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. So not long ago, there was like um, a volcano in the Canary Islands in Spain. And like yep. a lot of houses got sunk in by the lava and everything. I mean, what kind of shit do you do with that when like people can, can like have this kind of shitty houses in the middle of a fucking volcano and like honestly getting blown apart by lava and shit? Like, what do you do with that? Like, it's pretty fucking well, ugly. It, it, you know, that's that is uh nature and you know nature is very powerful there's not a lot we can do about those kind of things people live in those places that possibly they never should have lived in and usually that's the poor people it's not you know the rich people can leave and but what we can do is design our i mean you can't build a house that's going to withstand a volcano you know so no, that yeah. isn't going to happen. But you can build a house that can dis be designed to design to survive a hurricane. You can build a house that is designed to work with the climate. You know, what we see here in Australia is our houses, they don't actually, they, they match up to the climate that, a bureaucrat in London had the delusion that houses were built. So we have a lot of houses here that have no heating in them whatsoever. They're designed for the heat of summer. But mm -hmm. when it gets down to one or two degrees in, in the morning and winter, that's awfully cold. Um, so what we need to do is build our houses, is design our houses for the climate that we have in the places where we live um here in australia there are seven different climatic zones and the houses but we only have one building code the building code works maybe for one of those zones. it doesn't really it's pretty crap but you know we should have a different building code for each of those climatic regions requiring the houses to be built in a way you know, up north here, we do get we get cyclones and everything coming through, and the houses have to be built in a way to withstand. Yeah, that. so they so they resist a cyclone and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. the The roofs have twice as many screws on them, so the roofs don't rip off and all those kind of things. But you know, that's to a specific area. But really, all of Australia. And the problem here, you mentioned the corruption. We have a lot of the, you know, what's called regulatory capture. The property developers and the building industry own the politicians. And they, they say, no, sorry, we don't want to build our houses better than that because that'll cost us money and we don't want to ruin our profits. So, but that's why I focus on consumer demand um the story i like to tell in how we can change this if we get better at talking about it yeah is do you remember probably your parents had one of those black phones the old bakelite phones i'm making gestures works which really works whether well well you mean like those podcast. bricky phones that were yeah, immensely huge yeah. right like I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember. I've like, got one here. Here, let me show you, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I don't know if like oh. the the people here on the podcast can see it, but yeah, I remember no, that kind of shit. You know, your parents, maybe your grandma has one of these, and they were great phones because yeah. when my sister would piss me off, I could slam the phone down, and it was really satisfying. Just yeah, just <laughs> fucking slap the shit out of it. Yeah, you know. Call even me that again. You, you try, you try that with like a, a regular cell phone or like a smartphone or whatever. You, you like, can't it, do that with an shit. iPhone, no. But you know, 2005, Steve Jobs came out with the iPhone, released it, and you know, somebody gave me that phone. Like 
you know, 25 years ago, that was the shit. That was a great phone to have. And everybody had one in their house. And then suddenly, you know, five years later, you could not give one of those fuckers away. I would go to garage sales and people would be like, you know, if I give you five bucks, will you take this thing away for me? Yeah, isn't that iPhone pretty resistant to falls too or whatever? Or like breaking the screen or whatever? Or is it just me? Because uh, I, I, I yeah, my, they, yeah, they're delicate as shit, and you can't slam them and say, don't call me again, you asshole. You have to like yeah. just touch the button delicately. There's not a satisfaction, but you've got a thousand songs in your pocket and all that kind of shit. You know? So the, the housing, the way we're talking about housing yeah. is as much the difference between the old black Bakelite phone and the iPhone in terms of its value as, as a home. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a home that you're comfortable in. And that's the, really the big difference. And, you know, you can talk about the building industry, but, you know, the building industry, the property developers, if they don't have a market, if people won't buy their houses, then that's what they do for a living. So, you know, if they can't sell their product, they're not going to sell their product. And that's what we have to change is people just going, yeah, no, sorry, I don't want that shit. And yeah, that's what we're working on. Yeah, that's really good, honestly. And uh, I was about to comment something in regards of, like, um, you know, renting or buying houses. Because, quite frankly, we've got, like, a little bit of a tendency. I don't think this is, like, necessarily, like, a right-wing conspiracy theory, as they say on, like, on multiple locations. But it's a regular thing in capitalism as well, right? Where there's a tendency of having to rent everything instead of owning anything and like still being happy about it which i mean we rent not just our houses at this point because like the disparity between the the poor and the rich is pretty immense but also we tend to rent anything else like cars um washing machines movie subscription services games all, all sorts of shit they moving towards a model where like Instead of like owning a house, which lasts forever at least, you have to rent the house and you're subjected to the conditions that renting a house is pretty much into. I think is the inner consequence of like making housing so goddamn expensive and sort of having such a disparity between poor and rich people that is incredibly immense because, I mean... It's still like a huge funnel of money, isn't it? Like it's still like funnel funnels a lot of money from people who cannot afford to own a house. And what's what's your thoughts about it? There's a really interesting thing here in Australia because a government that we had a conservative government back in the 1960s wanted to break the power of the unions and the power of the communist party who fed from the unions and what they realized is that australian working people were a nation of renters and if you're a renter and you decide to go on strike and so the company the factory closes you can just load everything in the back of the station wagon, move to the next city and get a new job. So what they decided to do here in Australia is turn the working class into a nation of homeowners because then they have the sunk cost of, you know, you can't quit your job because you've paid, you know, $100,000 on your mortgage. And if you quit your job, the mortgage... And that will be the end of that. Um, and so a lot more people are homeowners here in Australia. The interesting thing with the European model is that you have people who you have more tenancy protections. Um, mm -hmm. Where people can stay in the same place. The other thing that's really been interesting that I've been looking at I don't know how much they do this in Spain, but in 
parts of Germany, they have this process called the Baugruppen, where a group of people will come together and they will become their own property developer. So they will pool their money, they'll buy the land, and they'll design the building that suits their. So like, say you've got a whole bunch of young families, so they build the house so it's like a big square box, but, you know, or the apartment block, because yeah. this is often as many as like 40 families, but they'll put a central courtyard in so the kids have a place to play and things where it's safe um, because they're, you can't leave the courtyard and, you know, n- nobody else can come into it who doesn't live in that building. So... That's the way that some in some parts of Europe people have gotten around it. Uh, it's an interesting thing because people in other people that I've spoken to in Europe talk about how being renters gives them a lot of freedom. Where when you own a, your own home, you're kind of trapped in that place. So, but yeah, the the whole culture is changing to this. I mean, there are companies now that are coming out with cars that in order to turn on certain features, you have to do it as a subscription. The car doesn't just doesn't come with that feature like uh, that you can start it with a remote starter from inside the house if it's cold. You have to pay a certain amount a month for it. And yeah, but this is a problem because we as consumers are distracted and are, you know, it's, it's like there's a lot of talk in America about the right to repair and the... Yeah, I heard about it. Louis Rossman especially, like, does a a lot to talk about the right to repair and everything, but he especially also, like, tackled this issue of, like, renting everything, owning nothing, and being happy about it. Yeah, Yeah, I think I remember about it. You well, so the thing for me is like, well, why would anybody buy a John Deere tractor? Because you are not allowed to you can only use the you know, their rep and only their rep can connect their machine to it to diagnose it and things like that. And I was just like, Why would you buy a John Deere? But you know, the people are still running down to the John Deere place and spending $300,000 and then complaining. It's like, well, you were warned. Why did... So it's, you know, we as consumers need to go, yes, yeah, sorry, we're not playing anymore. Um, and that's part of that comes from people being informed, people learning that they have choices and then feeling like they have some power to do something about it. Them. Yeah, so so like I especially hear the Don Deere case because I think they probably have some private kind of technology. Especially if you try to install like some sort of like um uh custom thing on the BIOS of a tractor from John Deere, uh, they will automatically soft block itself. I think it happens also with like iPhones when like you try to install some custom hardware into it. Or like your, uh, it happens mostly with a lot of like devices as well. But housing, um, I, I don't know about it, but like this, this on housing, there's a lot of things regarding like basic house tax and electricity and everything that relies on like this renting model. So yeah, it's pretty ugly. Honestly. Well, that's yeah, that's what that's what we have to we have to start changing that. So a friend of mine does power... We started talking about solar, and what he does is uh, he sets up solar systems in buildings, and uh, basically the solar and the battery, and then sells the solar to the tenants in the building. So he has become a power company for that individual building that he's he's set up. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know... But we, if you get a group of people together, they pull whatever money they have, they save, they design the building. Maybe because you're young and, you know, you don't have a lot of money, you build a building that's very, very simple. And then you add sort of fancier things to it. Like some people I knew that 
they built a building. They knew that they were all young, but they all planned on living there till they were old. So when they designed the building, they put in a shaft for the elevator. But the elevator itself was going to cost them like a half a million dollars or something. So they simply didn't install the elevator. They just said, we'll use the stairs for the next 15 years, and then we'll put the elevator in. So we have a lot of power if we have the knowledge and the do the thinking to say, yeah, okay. So we can get together. We can build a building that's more like a warehouse. We put up some simple walls into it, and then we'll make it fancier later. We'll put the elevator yeah. in later. And But the other thing is then starting with putting that solar system in so that you have you have the savings because all of those things that you're renting, as you say, they all have a cost. You get a bunch of people together and instead of owning 15 cars, you own one car. And, you know, most, so you only use the car when you need it. And this is happening in a lot of cities. These rideshare arrangements or, you know, shared vehicles and things. And so, you know, we have to fight back against this. And I keep seeing these things. I love every time I see them on the, uh, you know, in the newspaper. Millennials are ruining, uh, you know, car manufacturers because yeah. they're not buying cars. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's because you're buying sh building shitty cars. So stop doing that. And then they'll buy cars. My son's 28, and he just built, bought, he and his girlfriend just bought their first car. Cause they yeah, live in what Melbourne, I they really miss, honestly, is having, like, if I had, like, a driver's license, I'll get myself a fucking, like, Chrysler uh, Dodge. That fucking shit is cool. I miss yeah. that. I miss that type of cars. I know they got, like, severe um, CO2 emissions or whatever, but I can easily tune it out with, like, more efficient or, like, eco-friendly energy or whatever or like any kind of eco-friendly gas or whatever and like sort it out at the least if i have the disposable income for it for a crystal dodge or whatever that's probably second hand and also like the modifications to be able to like sort of um build it so it's eco-friendly kind of like up to like my standards of like living you know like i, I i'm fucking dreaming this shit you know like an eco-friendly yes, Chrysler yes. Dodge, but like, yes. I miss that type of cars. Honestly, they have more style into uh, it, even right. There's there's some guys in America that are taking those old cars like that, where they've you know maybe they've got a blowing motor, and they're turning them into EVs. They're you know filling the filling the trunk with uh, batteries, and under the back seat putting another bank of batteries. Yeah, kind of like electric cars or something, right? Well, they're an electric car, yeah. They take the, you know, but I said they, but they don't have the sound, you know, the sound of a V8, that low rumble. Yeah, the, the yeah, sound of know, a, I'm, the sound of a, like Harley Davidson chopper, that yeah, all the shit. Yeah, brum, brum. It's like yeah, it's, we, it's like we hell, coming, hell freezing over. It's like the sound of the apocalypse, you know. That's it. That's it. I said to a guy on a on a social media post where he showed this picture, I said, all we need is to mount some speakers in the wheel wells to get that rumble going. Cause if it doesn't, if it doesn't sort of give you that feeling in your gut when it's sitting there idling, then, but yeah, you could do that with some nice bass speakers in the wheel wells and it would work just as well. And then of course you have infinite torque. Cause yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. was saying, you know, with EVs, uh, that part of the problem is they've got so much torque that they actually wear through their tires faster. This is, you know, one of the lame excuses that the fossil fuel injury. Don't buy, uh, don't don't buy an EV because you'll make more microplastics. 
Yeah, the like, it's wary. very weird because a lot of the problems coming from like climate change and everything comes especially from the fact that it's like oil barons and like crypto miners and everything and they're doing the most of the damage to the environment they can, but they have to like sort of deflect it into common ground citizens as to say, hey, if you don't eat meat, you'll pollute the environment even more. Like, oh, sorry, but it's not up to us really. It's not yeah, well, that it's was... up to like the politicians and oil barons to do a goddamn thing about it, not not the common ground average uh, law abiding citizen, you know? Well, yeah, that's that was what the whole carbon footprint was a big scam. It was like, you have to take personal responsibility. We're not going to take any responsibility for that because that would ruin our shareholder value. And it's like, no, no, you are the cause of this. And yeah, it's a thing that I get quite passionate about is, you know, the fossil fuel industry in the U.S. alone has been spending a billion dollars a year on PR campaigns to try and convince people to not do anything about climate change. And, you know, anytime you see these guys that are going, Oh yeah, climate change is fake. It's just a myth. You know, yeah, Coke Brothers propaganda for most of the part. Yeah, it's basically Coke Brothers propaganda the, shit. Yeah, they're getting paid by the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, um, yeah. To, uh, to you know, to say those things, and it's a, it's a so yes, and it'll keep going, and is you know, but we we have to pull them up on it and go yeah no this is this is bullshit so. yeah especially when you have to consider there's a lot of goons like uh ben shapiro and like steven crowder and all these fucking morons fucking boosting up the coke brothers top propaganda shit about climate change and it's pretty fucking obvious they got the fucking entire blame on their shit but even then they have to put the blame on us for like oh eating meat or something what, what's that gonna change our oceans are fucking burning what is the ocean fucking burning because i don't even i didn't eat a fucking steak or something are you fucking kidding me it's just ridiculous isn't it Yes, yeah, it is, it is, and, and it is, it's this kind of blame shifting of, uh, you know, and, and then people are buying into it, and it's, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, in some ways there is truth to it, but then there's also, like, you know, we, the West Australian government has just, is just in the process of approving this gas, natural gas processing plant here, which I think is going to be one of the largest in the world. And in the lifetime of that, it will basically produce something like a billion tons of carbon. And it's like, yeah, there's, there is, until the government wants to do something about that. So we've got an election coming up soon, and I'm hoping that changes some things. But yeah. Yeah. What really needs to happen is that people have to realize how much power they have. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, the when a lot of the archives out of the Nixon administration, you know, going back to the 1960s and early 1970s, and those guys were just going nuts from paranoia because they were terrified of the power of the people that were marching in the streets against the Vietnam War. But the people who were marching in the streets, they were thinking like, oh, you know, what good is this? We're not doing anything. But the, you know, the guys in the Nixon administration in, in the federal government in America were absolutely shitting themselves. Yeah. And we We have that power. They only rule with our permission and right now they're being really good about creating this tribalism separating the two different groups you know you're either on my side or you're again but you know and it's all a gigantic con and once people yeah figure any out, oh, electoral system is a con in the sense that we're allowing ourselves to get ruled by a bunch of henry kissinger tier shit 
Well, you know, I, I tend to be an optimist. I, I am by nature an optimist. And I believe, and I also, you know, I've met a bunch of politicians in, mm -hmm. at various times. I have worked for people within the political system. And they were, you know, they were people on my side of politics. You know, they've, I'm, I'm a hardcore lefty. So they were either certainly left or really left. Mm -hmm. But they're yeah. good people. So I don't like the painting of all oh, politicians are scammers. And no, yeah, and I understand that. And like, there's people like Bernie Sanders still who, even then, that are in the Democratic Party, they're still serving a lot of leftist, actual leftist politics. Because in America, there's a tendency of like having either center, center right people. Are having to rule everything or like either extreme right people, which yeah. is a reality because America is currently a, like a right wing country at this point for the regards that nearly all well, presidents yeah. have been ruling from either the neoliberal standard or like either super fascist um right wing shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, that's the side yes america has shifted way far to the right um you know australia is is far even our conservative party is far less conservative but they'd like to go there they would you know our current yeah i like to imagine that yeah. they would they they have wet dreams about the uh um, segregation, our, uh, we have, gentrification, you know, we have all those things, the rent seeking, you know, that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And also, like, we have a healthcare system, you know, we have socialized medicine here. And you can see our government is looking at the American system and with, you know, a bit of drool running down the side of their face because it's like there's so much fucking money to be made for their mates and their supporters. So they're looking at, they want to pull the country in that direction of the kind of extreme capitalism that America has become. But yeah, like there's a lot of leaders in the Western world that try to emulate what America is doing in regards of government. And like, why would you want to do that? Like uh, most of the regular people who like sort of, you know, look at the United States, like do look at the United States in spite of the, what it represents and not as a reference and an example of how uh, should be the standard of, like, the Western civilization and that sort of shit. It's fucking terrifying, honestly, that, well, that a lot that of great readers line, are, yeah. Yeah, it's that great line from Gandhi. It's always been a favorite of mine. The journalist asked him, what do you think of Western civilization? And he said, I think it would be a really good idea. Um <laughs> It'd be nice if they became civilized. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort so like going in their tanks and their guns and their bombs. Yeah, that's true shit. Yes, um, yes, yeah. yes. Lots of yes. guns, especially. Lots of guns. Well, yeah, well, they, yeah, it's. Yeah, they sure yeah. love their guns, honestly. Jesus fucking Yeah, it's Christ. crazy, yeah. I have no desire to be back. You may have noticed from the accent, I am an American, uh, but I've lived here in Australia for 30 years, and I have yeah. no desire to be back there. There's parts of it I miss, but, you know, I've got a few friends there still, but shit, it's crazy over there. And, yeah, they're just obsessed with guns, so yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. But Yeah, that's your typical day at Burgerland, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, but and and then I walk around in the streets, and most people just look unhappy. So, I, you know, I, yeah, I just isn't that like, weird? Yeah, but you know, the thing is, it's that extreme of, you know, if you're in like say a local hardware store, then the people there are just they're just ordinary people. They're middle class people. They're working class people. Yeah, and, and they're getting screwed. Where then there's this level of wealth, and you don't see them out and about, but they're yeah. having, you know, they're having Very the time of their lives. Indeed. Yeah. So, but, you know, we have this in America, we have this system of tribalism that has 
separated people and it's been so effective you know it, it, you're green and i'm a blue and we won't talk to each other so we won't actually notice that we're both getting yeah. shafted and you know what the you know we're what we're both doing is fighting for the interests of the billionaires so yeah sad reality is. in it yeah Anyway, yeah. Um, so I wanted to bring you another important topic: uh, the impact crypto mining has on the environment, especially because you're kind of like the sort of expert on like environmental issues as well. So I wanted to see if you got something in regards of like the environmental impact Honestly, of crypto mining. I don't know anything about crypto mining. I do know that it requires a lot of energy, and that you know probably most of your listeners as young people. They'd probably know more about NFTs and crypto yeah, we're, mining we're and just all a bunch kind of consumers, honestly. So yeah, I don't know. yeah, except me, I'm just you know, a millennial piece of shit. My, yeah, I, I will not accept. A, oh yeah, no, I'm confusing my computer. Uh, get bound on the table. Um, I, I, so I work with a lot of young people. I, I. I love working with young people. So, you know, even a millennial piece of shit thing, I'm going to just unplug this web. Yeah, I uh, think it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it was, it, it was, I was just fucking with, yeah, anyway. But yeah, like uh, a lot right. of. Yeah, to use the technique. So, you know, the what I see. So let's take it down that millennial piece of shit track rather than the. Because I, I couldn't even bullshit about crypto mining, cryptocurrencies. I, I just, you know, if the subject comes up in a podcast, I turn it off. So, you know, can't tell you anything. Is it yeah. good? Is it bad? I don't know. I, but, know, I, thought, I thought you know, knew something about it or something, right? Or whatever. Oh, no, not at all. I've stayed right away from it. You know, my, Ooh, I'm really yeah. focused on housing. And... I believe that everybody needs to do something about climate change. For some people, that's, you know, marching in the streets, the uh, Extinction Rebellion people, you mm -hmm. know, gluing yourself to the roadways, whatever. That's other people who are working within companies to change the way. But, you know, my focus was, uh, has been to change the way we build housing here. So, um that's the important thing for me. Now, I've done something weird, and I've lost my image of you. Let me see if I can... Oh, yeah. there you are. You're back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. I just moved my mouse, <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, I'm not used to Discord. I'm an old guy. You know, yeah, yeah it's, nice it's understandable. You don't have to worry about it, anything at all. Just It's just understandable. But, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to bring out... Let's circle out. back to this thing about millennials, because I really like the millennials, the Gen Zs, you know, these younger people. And I particularly like this aspect of the, like, why should I own a car? Like, you know, in my generation... Yeah. The thing was, you as soon as you graduated from high school, you bought a car, and it was like it was the automatic thing. And now they're going, but I live in a city. Cars are pain in the ass. Why would I do that? Why would I spend five? Yeah, well, a lot of us will spend a lot of time instead of owning a house or a car, we'll spend a lot of time wasting it on like I don't know Netflix or say I don't know whatever Whopper there is in Burger King or whatever. Or something, or like whatever Domino's got about the bat pizza. Have you heard, ever heard about the bat pizza? Or from like, I think it was from Domino's or something, or Papa John's. But there was like the Batman pizza, and it's like a pizza shaped like a bat for for some reason. No, I, I don't eat a lot of fast food. So no, I yeah. Didn't it, it's, about that. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're not missing much. I mean, it looks pretty ugly, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind of weird, really. Is this weird? But, you know, but that's this idea of living experiences, and that was kind of how I lived when I was young. I, I worked in the theater. I was a theater tech, and then I spent my summers traveling. You know, and I got to a point where I was, you know, I was thirty years old, and 
you know, I had no assets. I lived out of a backpack, and that's how it was when I met my wife. I had, you know, sort of five boxes of things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think that there's a whole lot of, you know, one of the things that I've been looking at is marketing. And because we're trying to create a cultural change. And I say to people that climate change is a marketing problem, not a technical problem. And yeah. a lot of young people have done is they have said, we're not buying the marketing anymore. We're being marketed to all the time. We're going to choose what we believe. And when you study marketing, you learn things like in America, it is expected that you will have, you know, the traditional American breakfast is orange juice and bacon and eggs. Yeah. And the orange juice and the bacon were both marketing campaigns. This guy, mm -hmm. so there was a, a big, I think his name was Ben Veneers. He was like the biggest marketer in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And this company went to him and they said, we've just doubled our production of how fast they could produce, turn pigs into bacon. But we haven't worked out how to sell more bacon. And now we have suddenly have twice as much bacon as we did before. Can you help us? And he created the whole idea of having bacon with your breakfast. Before that, bacon was like a travel food because it was salty yeah. and so it would keep. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, ordinary people didn't eat bacon. You certainly didn't eat it for breakfast every day. And orange juice was the almost the exact same story. You know, all of these uh, orange groves came online down in Florida and they were like, holy shit, we are producing, you know, 40 times more orange juice than we did before, but nobody's buying orange juice because it doesn't yeah, actually Yeah, well, and it happens the it. same with the eggs and the bacon, isn't it? Like, I remember there was, like, a lot, a lot of surplus of eggs, and, like, they have to sell all the eggs, so they, like, implemented this huge marketing strategy on the eggs, especially, right? That's why we have in America they have like uh, the eggs, bacon, and orange juice breakfast. I used exactly. right? and and the diamond ring is another thing. You know, the diamond was basically a waste product. It's an industrial product. You use it for cutting shit. And they mm -hmm. said, "Well, we got a lot of these things. Let's sell more of them." And they went to this guy, and he created the he invented the idea that you should spend a month salary on your engagement ring for your future wife and if you don't spend a month's salary on it you're a schlub and yeah. now suddenly young people are going you know i can get an industrial what do they call them a more site you know mm -hmm. or I, I i can get a, a man-made stone for the 10th the cost of that i'd rather put the deposit on a house and they're saying you know Fuck you to the diamond industry. <laughs> yeah. And but because yeah, it, like, it's a lot of marketing shit. And especially considering I tend to do the same thing you do, especially in terms of marketing, because I think I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is like make an important change to the world in some way in the future. And what I tend to mostly focus on is the way I market myself and the way I brand myself. So, like, you know, you know, it goes up to the standards of, like, trying to compete with the capitalist and fascist system in every single conceivable way, especially in marketing. Because I remember back in, like, um, the 2016 uh, marketing wars, like, I mean, meme wars or whatever. I remember... I escaped from the far right ages ago, right? And, like, mm. there was, like, this whole thing about meme warfare going on. It involved a lot of marketing here, especially yeah. for the far right. So, in the same way, I call use the same meme warfare tactics on against the far right to, like, sort of market myself and the left into some sort of, like, super reality or something, right? Like, some sort of, like... Uh, moral superiority or whatever, you know? 
Well, you know, the that's the thing that the the far right is operating from a lot of time is that, you know, we are better than you. And, you know, the so Yeah. Like the typical smug smugness they got when they're looking at the Yeah, yeah. Tonight. So and that's you know, and I, I tend to think if the best thing you got going for you is the color of your skin and that makes you superior to somebody who's brown, you know, I mean, I'm an old white guy, so, you know, I've got that, I've got that going for me, but, you know, if, if you're, if the very best thing, if the most you got going for you is the color of your skin you were born with, that's kind of sad, really. Yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? I talked to this guy, I was in a petrol station one night, I, I walked in, and just as I walked in, he said, the point of sale system has just crashed. I'm going to have to reboot this system. It's going to take about five minutes. You know, sorry. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. You're just going to have to wait. Yeah, I'll, like, I'll wait. It yeah. was one o'clock in the morning and I didn't get oh, a okay. shit. <laughs> so I'm standing there talking to him and I, and and he's very dark skinned. And so I say, oh, so where are you from? And he says, he's, he's from Ghana. So mm-hmm. we're chatting away. And I said, just out of curiosity, how many languages do you speak? And he says, 14. And I think you speak 14 fucking languages. I can barely speak English. I can only make <laughs> yeah. myself understood about half the time. And then I laughed and I said, that's so funny because these, you know, these white supremacy guys, you know, with half their teeth missing are going, you know, they're saying, well, we're superior to you. And see, you barely, it's, barely it's speak like a bun- English. It's like a bunch of idiotic people with two-digit IQ or something, right? Yeah, I yeah. can't feel like that. I had this guy who apparently, lately, he claims he isn't like far right or anything, but call me an F slur uh, or whatever uh, multiple times already, and it's like Jesus. He's trying to desperately trying to like sort of troll me through reddit comments and like you know email and then i had like a bsc with the guy he is just like a guy who hates like patreon and all these new web 2 internet shit that a lot of people tend to he says he paywall everything or whatever just for like making the basic uh income for paying all the bills and like yeah. I'm like, this guy, it's like basically the kind of like stupid people you'd get from a KKK kind of gathering that's basically like 40 IQ or lower, you know? It's that kind of shit. We have to keep, we have to keep in mind. Cause, so I've been doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. And, you know, I've got some connections on LinkedIn that I know that they they are evangelical christians far right conservative followers but i also know that if we didn't talk about politics i could sit down and i could have a beer with them and talk about work and our kids and yeah it's like kind of things like regular people in some way the same way right isn't it what politics has been doing over the last couple of years and it's particularly in america but it's it's moving into europe is working to separate us from each other yeah and and what i say to people is that if you earn your living Mm -hmm. from any form other than stocks and shares Mm -hmm. then you we're on the same team and what and we're all getting screwed by the billionaires and if you if you're coming to me and you're going you know, all of those bloody whatever. You can fill that line in however you want. Those bloody dot, dot, dots. Yeah. You should be yeah, checking your back that. pocket. Mm-hmm. Because while you're believing that, some billionaire is picking your pocket. Because mm-hmm. you are distracted with the guy who wants you to use a different toilet or the whatever all of this distraction is yeah it's the basic either blue or red shit that the billionaires are trying to con us into right to try to separate us and everything yeah i understand that the billionaires so i just saw something here in, in america so right they're playing both sides so the fossil fuel industry has donated one point in last year, they gave one point two million dollars to the 
to the conservative party here, and they gave eight hundred thousand dollars to the Labour Party, which is you know supposed yeah, to be the party that, of the working class. That is classes. incredibly not So they're playing both sides. They own them yeah. all, and they're saying, yeah, you know, it does. So there was something recently again on LinkedIn where this guy was talking about this Democrat in in America who took a lot of money from what they said, Republican sources. Mm -hmm. And I said, look at all of Congress, because these big companies are giving money to both sides of politics. They might give a little more to the other side, but they're giving, they own them all. And it's, it's like Pokemon. You got to collect them all. They own them all. And yeah. so when you're busy going, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a supporter of, yeah, they're owned by them, too. Oh, but, yeah, those bastards over there, those bastards that are that color, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. they own them, too. So, yeah. you know, there's, you know, there's, there's my side and there's the slightly worse side. But what we really need to do, this is why I've connected with a whole bunch of people. The funny thing is, because I keep disagreeing with them, they slowly have all blocked me. At one point, I had a whole bunch of right-wing conservative Albertan Canada oil patch workers. These guys are as far to the right. They, they actually wanted Alberta to secede from... Uh, Canada and join America. And I was like, yeah, how's your health insurance there, dude? You know, <laughs> yeah, go to America. Yeah, where you're going to spend $100,000 a year and if you get sick and you're, you're in, you know, they're oil patch workers. So mm -hmm. they're working all day with toxic chemicals. You're going to end up sick, probably with cancer, and yeah. you're not going to be happy. When you suddenly discover you've joined America and you have no health insurance because you're unemployed now because you got sick. Yeah, it's, it's they're always fiddling with that worker class people all the time, right? Or to like push their fucking unless, goals. Unless you make your living from the returns on stocks and shares, mm -hmm. you are a working class person. People like yeah. to say, oh, middle class. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, you know, that's a that's a golden rule. Yeah, that's basically a golden rule. If if you're not manipulating the stock market in some way, you're like the worker class people. Basically. Yes, and it doesn't matter. You might be on five hundred thousand dollars a year as a salary, but you know, as soon as that company as soon as something happens with that company, you're out of a fucking job. So, you know, you, you are as much at risk as, yeah, sure, you've got $500,000 a year as income. Uh, you can always sell the fifth Lambo or something, but, you know, you're as much at risk as some, you know, but you're no billionaire. <laughs> yeah, just like Bobby Kotick, Jeff Bezos, and all these people. If you're not them, well... You're not one of them, basically. That's kind, yeah, of, exactly. that's kind of a funny way to see how the worker class really is and how you can distinguish people from the worker class. Because I do think last time I tried on the sort of trying to get some returns from the stock market, I didn't really do shit. It's a rigged game, like 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 investing in the stock market. I did this ages ago, right? But investing in the stock market as a poor person, and I don't know how the fuck do these fuckers on Wall Street bets on Reddit did already the other shit. But like, if you like, if you're like a poor person, you got very very impossible chances of like sort of getting some decent returns to like become the next billionaire or something, you know. Well, yeah, it's as you say. I mean, the thing is, the people. Well, so one guy put it really well. I, I can't remember. It was one of the billionaires in America. He said, "Imagine a contest where you get three thousand people together, right? And mm -hmm. you flip. You want to flip a coin. Heads I win, tails you lose. Goes through. Okay, so now five hundred people are the winners, and they go up against the next guy." 
and they flip their coin and the winner comes up. And so now you've got 250 and it goes down and each time they go up against each other, they're just flipping a coin. And it's, if it comes up the way they call it, they win, right? Keeps narrowing it down. Now you're down to 30 people and they've won every time. So they're still in the game. Mm-hmm. And then they play, and it goes down to 15 people. And now suddenly those 15 people are telling you that they're geniuses, and they're writing books on their strategy about how... Yeah, they, you know, some hustle culture flipping. shit, isn't it? Or yeah, like, whatever they call it. Shark mentality, as that we call it here, right? Be, do you want to be your own boss? Like, that kind yeah, of shit. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, because yeah. the people who know how to do that stuff are not writing books about it. They're just, they're just out there doing it, and so that's a lot of what the you know the people who are making money in the stock market. First of all, they're doing it. They have a lot of money to play with. So you know, if you buy five hundred dollars with the stocks, and that money goes up to six hundred dollars, then you're doing great. It goes down to $400, you're fucked. And so, but it's like somebody, you know, it's, it's, it's like somebody playing the poker at, in Las Vegas. If you go in there with a million dollars and you don't care whether you're going to, you know, your kids are still going to go to school and, you know, and you play poker and you're not going to lose your house, then it does, you know, it's like, yeah, this is fun. But the stock market, or playing, po- you know, gambling is going to yeah, be... Yeah, like I will I'll be able to say, it's just basically gambling a little shit for poor people, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I uh, we we had a little bit of money at one point, and a little bit of it has been invested, you know, but we started with so little that, but, you know, you can, a friend of mine bought some stocks years ago, and and then after like 10 years, he was like, this is just going to nowhere. He, you know, he profited a few thousand dollars. And um, then he, so he, he just said, yeah, fuck this. And he sold the, all the stock. He made, you know, like a thousand dollars off it, $2,000. The next week, that mm-hmm. company sold some technology and if he'd kept the stock, it would have gone from like $5,000 to $20,000. But he just got, it gave him the shits and he sold it, you know, so. Yeah, he sold too early, it. isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's like a recurring way. meme everywhere. <laughs> then there's the other side of it, you know, there's all those people that bought stocks back in the dot-com boom. And it was like, you know, that's dot-com, it was going to be this huge thing. And, you know, if you bought Amazon stock, then you'd be a fucking millionaire. But mm-hmm. if you bought pets.com, you were basically lining your stock certificates, using them to lock the bird, line the birdcage, because they, they became worthless, basically yeah. overnight. And it's like, yeah, can you afford that? So, but I, you know... I mean, I'm I'm more on the side of being, you know, the entrepreneur. You take some money, you build a business, you build a reputation. If you're if you're in the stock market, you're funding someone else to do that, and you need knowledge and you need, you know, some information, or you need to be hooked into the circles who are going, uh, you know, hey, hey, mate. You know, buy this one. Like, you know, you get the phone call in the middle of the night, buy 20,000 shares of Mm -hmm. this stock. And then, you know, so you buy it first thing the next morning. And then the next day, uh, that company sells something, you know, some new technology or something. But, you know, we're not hooked into those circles. Nobody, you know, I don't hang out with the guys down at the, you know, that know something's up you know the uh i'm there's some guy some billionaire who sold something like 250 million dollars worth of his facebook stock and then the next day it plummeted 
He knew about something. Oh yeah, the Facebook plummet that happened recently, right? Like uh, the yeah, the yeah. huge immense that looks like you know kind of falling down immediately to like down a several bunch percent. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't pay much attention to it. I just you know, my interest is climate change. My interest is people, like individual people, not yeah. companies. So you know. Yeah, that's 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 about it. So, do you have any more questions that I can answer for you? I couldn't answer the cryptocurrency one. Yeah, well, that pretty much wraps it up, honestly, because it's been already like one hour four minutes. So, I guess that's enough. So, yeah. yeah anyway, like um, check us out on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, our website too, jma.tv, and well, I'll probably see you on the next episode. Anyway, you have anything else to say, uh, uh, Keith? Just to ask your listeners to either, um, and I don't know if you do show notes, if you'll put my name, if people are on LinkedIn and they want to connect, I will connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. If you turn connect to, be, connect uh, to Keith's uh, LinkedIn. I think, uh, I think I'm probably going to see Hutchings. the name wrong. I'm the only Keith Hutchings in Perth, Australia. See, I should be hard to find. If you want to sell me cryptocurrency, I will probably block you. If you yeah. want to ask me to get it, married, I will probably block you. I understand. You. And yeah. then the other thing is, check I out our website. I hate cryptocurrency too as well. So, you know, you're, I'm on that boat pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So don't try and scam me. But if you're interested in changing the world, come and talk to me. Um, and check out our website, thecomfortablehomeproject.com.au. And, you know, I'd invite everyone in the world to learn about how much better their homes could be. Yeah, that's really cool. Anyway, I'll see you on the next episode next, uh, next week. And I'll see you around. Uh, see ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.